Welcome to the second Nerdist School Network comic book podcast crossover. I think that's all right there. Uh, this time we're talking about Logan. And so I'm Chris Lord from Tim Talk. And I guess we'll just go around the table here and introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Cameron Dexter from Tim Talk. I'm Amanda Barnes from The Novice and Frank. I'm Frank from The Novice and Frank. I am Chris Finbrose from the podcast of Two Worlds. And I'm Trevor Reese, also from the podcast of Two Worlds. Woo-hoo. Copycat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's the first Chris, but... Uh, what did you guys think of Logan? Loved it. Yeah, uh, I, th- I thought it was great. It was amazing. Fucking amazing. And the, the character of Wolverine, for me, is really personal. Like, it goes between me and my entire family. I used to love the 90s cartoon. Um, I used to freak out every time it would come on. Uh, and then so my older brothers used to start messing with me. Well, they're like, well, you know, I'm Wolverine. And I used to get real upset and cry and want to fight them. I'm Wolverine. How could you say that? So, I mean, to, to see a, a, a film, a Wolverine film, live up to my expectations, I mean, it, it was tremendous. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at you right now, and you have Wolverine on your shirt, which yeah. is perfect. Yeah, and I, and I have him in my heart, I feel, Aww. at all times. Aww. Right there. He's like Santa. <laughs> I used to get like that uh, when I would play Ninja Turtles with my cousins, and they would want to make me April. I'd be so oh. angry. That's I'm like, I'm Leo. I am Leonardo. I get so mad. Sexist. But, uh, yeah, Logan. Uh, well, I just have a question, Chris. So somebody that's uh, Wolverine's in their heart. Uh, so how, how, how have you felt about Wolverine's portrayal so far? It, it took me a while to get used to it. You know, I, I didn't really like the first couple of movies um, just because I was so, like, into Wolverine as a comic book character and in the cartoons. It was kind of hard for me to like, accept, like, that's Wolverine. But as I got older and more movies came out, you appreciate that this is just a version of that. And in this cinematic universe where that's Wolverine, I thought he, I thought he did a great job. Wait, so you didn't like X2? Not really. I mean, oh, interesting. I, I mean, it, I mean, they're as opposed to X3. Yeah, no, it's a well, good movie. Yeah. Um, and it, I would say it's better than than the first X-Men. But I don't I don't think, you know what I mean, especially all the movies that we have out now. And like I'm, I'm think I'm, I'm critical of those movies, but they did make uh, break a lot of ground and make a lot of way for these movies to be made. So I appreciate them for that. But as far as this one, I feel like this, even it being a Wolverine movie, was still the best X Men movie. Like right, and then second would be Days of Futures Past for me. Do you still appreciate Wolverine Origins? No, <laughs> no, I I was fucking furious when that movie came out. Does anyone appreciate Wolverine Origins? I think for uh, Leif Schreiber. He was saber oh, too. That was a great you know, recast. You know, I, I will give you that, actually. He is really good in yep. that. I know there were rumors that he might make an appearance in Logan. Oh, I thought he should have. Yeah, and I, I would have liked to see him come in there, but mm-hmm. what can you do? Cameron? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I loved the film. It was fantastic. It was such an interesting kind of take on the superhero genre. Mm-hmm. Where, I mean, we talked about it briefly in Lego Batman, where everyone's just trying to deconstruct the stereotypical setup of this film, of this genre now, that it's nice to see when people, you know, play with different aspects. Like, my big thing, my big takeaway from this was how little action there was in this movie. Uh, And I really enjoyed that. You really got to live with the character and live with these connections, and it wasn't just about flashy... You know, it was, it was the first half of the Wolverine. Like, I love when you just kind of get to live with these characters and be a part of their lives, and then, you know, a giant metal robot pops up. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Or a clone, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, there's so much that I want to say that's so good about this movie. 
Well, what do you think it says about just the X-Men franchise that this and Deadpool are probably the two most successful versions, and they have just pretty much one solo character and kind of strip it down to maybe a few kind of supporting characters, but that's pretty much it. Is that, say, like... These X-Men films work better if with fewer characters. They know their audience. They know their audience. They know people that have grown up with these characters are now of the the people who watched the animated show when they were kids are now the age to buy R-rated movie tickets. You know what I mean? So and those are the people that that I feel like to an extent they're making these films for. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have to dumb everything down because the people who grew up loving these characters are now the age to make the decisions about what films they want to see. And that's amazing. It, and getting anybody to go spend twenty dollars on which one I had to spend to see this movie, by the way, you guys spend twenty dollars to see this movie. It, it, yeah, it's same. It's a really yeah, nice theater, the same, but yeah. still, yeah. holy crap. But like, you know, to get people to spend that to go and see a film in real time versus like, I'll catch it when it's out later when everything's so easy to stream is really impressive. You know, I think they know their I think they know their audience. You look like you're going to argue with me. Well, no, but I'm also saying it's like a year after X-Men Apocalypse, which that was a terrible. Yeah. Did anybody see X-Men Apocalypse? No, yeah, I did. I I didn't love it. But But I I think to your point, it's also like it's none of the audience, but the tone, too. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like making these movies rated R worked because like Deadpool is just raunchy and sweary and bloody and violent and Logan's an asshole and like letting him get to be violent mm-hmm. and just I love that they got Professor X to start dropping F bombs too. Oh, yeah. Like that yeah. that made me so happy. It's such a departure from his character. But like anytime Patrick Stewart curses, it's just like a gift. It's it's so <laughs> delightful, right? You just can't help but smile even if he's really cantankerous. And I, I think that they just knew like, well, let's just make the most authentic version of these movies and that just happened to be that they work better as rated R. But I think that's what other movies, including some of the X-Men movies, haven't known quite what to do, is what's the tone to strike. Yeah. Well, and that's why what's so weird about the R-rated Batman versus Superman. Ugh. Like, though, I mean, we've, I know all of us have <laughs> talked to ourselves blue in the face about why that movie sucks, but it's it's cool to see the Deadpool, like, created this market and allowed for these movies to finally be R-rated, but we're going to start seeing, like, the bad side of that now, too, mm-hmm. of, like, forcing the grittiness onto characters who don't deserve that, because Deadpool, yeah. Wolverine, yeah. These guys exist in worlds that are dark. Fantastic like, Four. Let's Fantastic do it. Four. Let's make it dark and Cronenberg-y. Like, yeah, that'll sell. That's like, what that's what they've been missing. That's yeah. why they're uh, 0 for 4. Yeah. When I think they just of Jack Kirby, the king, that's just Cronenberg. I was, for me, it's just consistency, right? In this, mm-hmm. it was consistent. They set the tone. The tone, the tone happened to suit the character, mm-hmm. and they and they maintained that reality throughout. You know, you saw Stephen Merchant's name come up. I was like, oh, oh yeah, man. and then he was fantastic. Oh yeah, because yeah, he's a good actor, mm-hmm. right? Who gets typecast, and I think did well as that role, as that part. But I think that I, I agree with you. I'm a little worried they're going to be like, oh well, people are spending money on R-rated movies. Like that's what we got to do. It's like it only works if it comes from a place of suiting the character and serving the story, you yeah. know? And, and I, I think this did. Yeah, and absolutely. And you guys talking about tone absolutely nails it on the head. And I think with, like, Captain America, uh, Winter Soldier, how to, it was kind of like a political thriller, I think you could do different genres with just <coughs> superhero characters. And I yeah. think this being, like, a Western... Um, I think that's a good sign going forward. Not that it's R-rated, but it was able to tap into this completely other genre with these superhero characters. Mm-hmm. So you're not just watching superhero movies. Yeah. How, how, I, I think it was really cool. I think for Patrick Stewart to be able to play a different 
range in that character was really cool for me. Oh, yeah. Did you guys think that was awesome? Because how often, I mean, how, how old is he in real life? He's late 70s, He's 70s older. So something. what a beautiful thing, I think, to be able to play on that when people are, I'm sure as you age, I see it happen, you know, people start to treat you like you're, you're like, oh, senile or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like, and you get to play this character that I think plays in, into those frustrations of being like, I'm not, like, I know, ex- I'm right. Mm-hmm. You know, stop treating me like I'm a child because I've got, you know, I've got years and years of experience. Yeah, and he calls him out at the beginning uh, in that first scene that they have together when Logan's leaving. He says, you're just waiting for me to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's cool to see. I think it's impressive to see new range being given to that character played by that actor who's played him now so many times mm-hmm. that they're still yeah. finding cool ways of, of exposing the, the layers of that character. Yeah, I mean, how often... I mean, so what, the, the first one movie came out in... 2009. I don't know, whatever. But I mean, I think people keep saying 17 years is about the, the time frame from the original one to this one. Like, mm-hmm. for Patrick Stewart, like, this is such a huge departure from where he started. Now, I... So I'm probably the one person in this room that didn't love this movie. I liked it. I didn't love it. So, but I'm curious what you guys think. Did you actually think that... Uh, Wolverine's arc in this was that much different than every other movie they've had him in because his kind of traditional arc is uh, he wants nothing to do with whatever people want him to do and then eventually turns around on it. And I felt like that was kind of the same thing again. Maybe yeah, done yeah better, for his character, kind of definitely. Thing, yeah. But I think what this movie did better was have it um, be a lesson for Laura. I feel like, I feel like, because he said, you know, a man can't break his mold. You know what I mean? He's Mark and you can't shake that mark. So I yeah. think he, Logan is, is who he is. Um, at the beginning of the movie, he's trying to like hide from that and this and that. But I think him teaching that to Laura about her not being turned into what they made him like leads to her not being in that Wolverine trope of having to go through that over and over again. I will say the uh, one part of the film that I did have an issue with is when they go to Vegas and they're hanging out at the hotel and then Xavier has a seizure again. I feel like that was very repetitive of the first time we had that back when they're still in Mexico. So I was like, oh, I feel like, I don't know if we really gained a lot out of that sequence. I feel like you could have stripped that out of the film and really not have lost anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's more just like creatively you just have to introduce it. Because that, what, what, that, what that scene illuminates is he was the one responsible. Because, I mean, a lot of mm-hmm. us knowing the basis of this, knowing the old man Logan story, I think we're all sort of assuming Wolverine caused the death. Wolverine is the reason for their exile. Wolverine is the reason for his own brokenness. We really find it's Xavier was the cause of it, that we find that what he did uh, at the casino was what he did in in Manchester and killed the X-Men. And so I I see what you're saying um, because it does sort of lose that oomph, but it also does introduce it because if you're just introduced to Xavier losing his mind all of a sudden, they're just like, wait, what, what the hell? Like, what's going on? But I get what you're saying. I mean, the other other thing they do introduce is that he's watching Shane there with Laura, mm-hmm. and then they oh, bring yeah. in the Shane kind of callbacks in there. But I also feel like, man, that was a lot. Oh, other than getting to see a slow motion, uh, you know, knives slicing into a man's face. Then all right, oh, and yeah, then there yeah. you go. There was some pretty I, cool stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> the Shane, I thought Shane was such a perfect inclusion. Like it, it's so it is um, um, uh, symbolic of what this, they they tell very similar stories. Um, but I thought because they were mentioning Shane that it was good, the movie, and we don't have to jump to this so soon, but I will say I thought it was going to end a little more ambiguously because Shane famously ends ambiguously with whether or not Shane dies at the end. 
um, whether or not Shane is riding off into the sunset and he's dead because the kid calls out to him like, Shane, Shane, and he doesn't look back. And there's a theory as to whether or not Shane has died in the saddle or not as he's riding off. And so I was wondering if that if the movie was going to take that same cue and give Wolverine a little bit more of an ambiguous ending than what we got, which was clearly very definitive. Oh, what I was ready yes. for was uh, post credit scene hand pops out. That's what I thought. We start, too. Just we like, start like, the Marvel zombie movement. Like one little tiny shink, like the one that he'd been messing with all film, just mm-hmm. like slowly pops out. Mm-hmm. The dirt starts to shake up. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's two hundred. Like going off the Marvel, the cinematic X Men universe, he's. Nearly 200 years old. Yeah, I looked it up. It's 1845 is when his claws pop. Um, so he would have been born like the 30s, like early 30s, 1830s. Oh wow! So considering this is 2029, he's closing in on 200 years old. He looks good. He looks, yeah, he looks, yeah, he really good. Yeah, looks really, really good. But yeah, it just also shows like he has been at this for he's been at this for so so long. I have a novice question. Um, what did Xavier do to kill the X-Men? Why? Oh, so I, I wanted to bring... What it, happened? I wanted to I'm kind of glad they didn't bring it up in the movie, because I'm like, oh, well, that's it's clear with so many lines that you, you know what I mean, that you don't know, but it still gets a point across, but I still want to know what happened. Okay, so you think it, 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 is, it does still give enough information? I, well, not, I mean, I have questions, and I'm actually, like, familiar to an extent with the, so you they, know, with the they property. they interviewed the but, director... Mm-hmm. And the original script called for the scene, the original seizure being the first scene of the movie. He had a seizure, and I guess it went on long enough that it actually started killing the X-Men. And Wolverine, because he has, like, his adamantium, I assume. That's usually the... I was assuming his healing factor. factor. Yeah, the healing factor. He was the only one that could survive and gave him the antidote. And so that's why he kind of brings it upon himself to take care of him. Like, but that was my come, interpretation. But how come there were no... I remember re, we talked about this, but I don't remember. Like, why were there no mutants born after that? That doesn't but oh, that doesn't solve so that, that was, problem, right? Um, what was the guy's name? Xavier Price? No, Xavier Rice, right? Donald Price, and then... Uh, oh, yeah, oh, Donald Pierce, Pierce and Xavier Pierce. Rice. Yeah, yeah so there you uh, go. I guess I, I think I understood this. Rice had been basically introducing a mutant gene suppressant. That's why no more mutants were being born. And then mm-hmm. I think, Kim, were you saying that that was also... He was also killing them too, or I couldn't quite figure that part out. I, well, he rounded them up, right? He said, "Oh, um, early on, Caliban helped that company round up the mutants that were left." And even like when they stop and they, they meet that guy and his family on their farm, the guy even talks about, "Oh, all the company's been buying up all these fields so they can make their own stuff." Mm-hmm. And that's what they're using to suppress the the mutant gene in people. Yeah, corn syrup. W- were they were they also? Was the suppressant also killing some of them too? That's why, or maybe no, no. I imagine okay. they rounded them up and started just killing them. That's... Uh, but that's why there there hasn't been a mutant born in twenty five years. Yeah, I, yeah. So, I, yeah, because some of that was a little bit confusing. And mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest the the X Men timeline is a disaster. <laughs> yeah, complete disaster. So, I mean, does this is this supposed to have taken place after Days of Future Past, or are we just kind of running the assumption that it's kind of its own thing? It does take place after Days of uh, Future Past. Uh, I don't know exactly how many years, but it does take place after that. That's that's as far as like James Mangold said. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, because I think so. I think Days of Future Past, the the flash forward was what twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, and this was twenty twenty nine. But now it's an alternate universe. 
was well, the universe that we see at the end when oh, Wolverine's talking when to When Cyclops like, has his weird new goggles. Yeah, he's got yeah, Cyclops <laughs> and Gene are back. there, and we see uh, Hank McCoy mm-hmm. yeah. and everything. So that's from that point. So this is about five years from that flash forward, which okay. we assume Wolverine is brought back to the same point of Days of Futures Past just on this cleaned-up timeline where the Sentinels didn't take yeah. over the world. It's just the same point in time. Yeah, I guess it's that fucked. that didn't I don't know that didn't quite fly for me just a little bit. Mm-hmm. There was there was the idea thrown out that I really think is I really enjoy uh, that the the continuity only exists for what you're watching in the movie before it. Oh and yeah, everything else is just kind of you know up in the air. There's, it's always a two movie continuity if you if you scroll through the films. That but, yeah, that kind of works. <laughs> With the obvious exception being Wolverine Origins, forget all of that. No, yeah. it fits everything. That's well, the constant. If you think about like the, the X Men films, are all like kind of depressing because they constantly keep losing and losing and get getting killed off or eliminated. And then so you see always at the end. Of, do you want to see the X Men always just being on the losing end and always being kind of mutants being kind of diminished? And well, that's been happening in the comics for the last however many years, right? Oh, and I've not enjoyed that either. Yeah, me neither. And they're just now starting to kind of ramp up the mutant involvement in Marvel comics, which I I don't know why they went away and try to get replaced with Inhumans and all that. But uh, but so yeah, I mean, it, the mutants are always kind of destined to lose, in no matter what medium you kind of view them in. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I didn't. Maybe part of the reason I didn't love this one was that it was yet another kind of like extreme dystopian kind of case mm-hmm. for the X-Men. Like we had seen it once in Days of Future Past and it got resolved. But I think part of it for me too is that like as much as I love this as like a standalone Logan, it also does feel like it's, it's, it is the end too of like all the movies that started back in 99, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever we get from this point on is going to be with the, the new cast. Um, and I, I love that new cast, but I think part of it for me is I haven't felt like we've had a, like a real version of the X-Men as superheroes yeah. in a, and a good version of that in a long, long time. And it's, I guess I couldn't get past the fact that this was basically saying like, well, we're done with that. And I'm like, I'm totally cool with having a totally different out there, like standalone version, but I just haven't been super satisfied with an X-Men movie in a long time. And so that was a little bit like, yeah. Because yeah. I think it does make it seem like Days of Future Past is run by, they, they make the clean timeline. Everybody's alive again and it's great, but no, we still end up at a really crappy place anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with we don't we get nothing in between, and like it's clear. I think all of the sweet X Men stuff that happened in that universe happened in the comics that Logan had. Yeah, clearly, yeah. Like I, they I had the all comics. the suits on. You know, they're yeah. all traveling together. It looked real sweet, but I guess only a quarter of it happened. Yeah, it's, we, I, we never got the suit. I yeah. well, I well bum, we did get the hair. We yeah. got the facial hair though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that was that was pretty that great. Was awesome. yeah. I yeah. was pretty pleased with that. I. You know, for me, I haven't seen another... It's been years since I've seen an X-Men film. It's been so long since I've watched one on TV or gone to a theater and seen one. So for me, this one, in my mind, I'm I'm basing it kind of more as its own standalone thing. Even though it is the end of this arc, I loved it. Just as its own film. Completely. I think I still had questions, but I think you could walk in and see this movie. A a girlfriend of mine came and saw it with me, um, and I don't think she had any idea, like maybe what we were seeing or what she was getting into, because I heard her go, Holy shit, she's a kid, like next to me (laughs) as the girl was like attacking. And I'm like, You had no idea, did you, like what you were even getting into? Um, But I think just 
as a film, I think it's it's really well put together and really nicely done. And I think it 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 makes you ask enough questions about the backstory, but I think you can watch it and understand it and enjoy it without necessarily knowing too much about the backstory. But that well, I don't know. That's just me. Also, like just. It shows how much this whole film franchise has been based on Patrick Stewart and Hugh Jackman. Yes. Like the entire oh, yeah. thing. I'm kind of like, like oh, yeah, you guys like, are screwed. He, he was the first one uh, to find Wolverine. Like the, the X-Men movie is Xavier sort of trying to pull Wolverine back from the brink. And that's always sort of been their relationship um, like throughout it. It's mm-hmm. just been throwing Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart together and you'll get um, – You'll get a good movie. Yeah. And this was just like, screw it. Take out all the other X-Men, all the cr- bad rogue, shitty Cyclops, Jean Grey that we never really got Ooh, right, and yeah. the two characters who have always delivered. And I I, I mean, I agree with uh, Chris's um, critiques of Wolverine as an embodiment of the comic book character, but I think the two of them have consistently nailed the tone of their characters and really understood them in such a way that... Nobody else really did. Even like the people who had time in the characters, like uh, Ellen Page's Kitty Pride, or like um, some of the other ones, like, eh, all right, maybe. But like these two guys were the ones who got it consistently throughout. And then we just see an entire movie built on it, and they're the last two X Men. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Do you, do you, I was thinking about this before. Would you have wanted to see Magneto in this? I mean, he doesn't really fit oh. the story. But he, I think he's part of the. I, I feel like Ian McKellen has done a pretty good job as Matt, coming from yeah. someone that. Oh has yeah, read yeah, for sure. Like I don't want to diminish that, but also like. But you did. But I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like Magneto's sort of Xavier's saber tooth. It would have been cool to see their thing wrapped up, but I think probably Magneto's dead. Yeah, he's got to be dead. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and we don't see he's one of the characters we don't see at the end of Days of Future Past too like I think deliberately they didn't want to go there so that we don't know what happens to him so I think they want to have at least a little bit of runway with uh, with Fassbender if they ever bring him I'm assuming they'll bring him back yeah I mean you would think that the helmet would stop all the seizures like trying to getting through right oh, yeah, when he was freaking point. out like that's what he designed the helmet for to keep Xavier out wait why didn't they just put Magneto's helmet on top of Charles uh-huh. wouldn't that have done it <laughs> I mean, that's true it's too uncomfortable, damn it. I can't, <laughs> yes, I can't wear this fucking thing. I don't have hair. It, it, it fucking chafes. <laughs> That's true. Although, it, that would have been, a, that would have been what, like, kind of like they had those cool throwbacks in the original Old Man Logan series, like Dwight's Bridge where he's got the Ant-Man helmet on. It would have been cool, like, while like, Xavier's in, like, the throes of his insanity when we first meet him to see him, like, wearing the Magneto helmet. Mm-hmm. Just be like, because he was, like, doing, like, his... Patrick Stewart Shakespearean voice throughout that whole scene it would have been interesting to see him like even more crazed like wearing that helmet and maybe when like um, he's medicated he takes the helmet off or something like that but that might have been cool I would like very much to see a Magneto Professor X musical oh yeah where they get together and they they battle and then they become friends at the end and then they sing a song that's, I'm just I'm just gonna put that I, into I'm the universe. On, yes, I'm on board for that. I saw them perform "Waiting for Godot" on Broadway, the two of them together. And oh, it was that like was the most amazing. amazing! Yeah, it was like the most magical pairing ever. And they're just they're just BFFs. They're just best friends. And I'm like, just do something. I just want to see both of them, just the two of them together, um, being those characters in a farcical musical way. Yeah, they are they are adorable together. They are. They're really I just, cute. Uh, could watch a whole movie, yeah. yeah. There was, oh, yeah. Two of them. was it there a couple of years ago? There was the was it Las Vegas where they got kind of the older 
Hollywood stars to come together oh, yeah. and do like a Vegas story. We can just have that with them. Oh yeah, <laughs> exact same story, just better. No, not even. Don't, don't make it better. <laughs> same script, and you'll see. Just those two actors will just make it that much better. That'd be great. The That's two of them will do all four parts. Yeah, so the split it between That's the two so of good. them. Be so good. Okay, so we get somebody on the phone. Was speaking of Patrick Stewart, was everybody happy with the way that he left the picture? I thought that was a dream. I thought it was a dream sequence. Yeah. Um, well, I thought you were like, I thought it was a dream. Like, I, was, I was like, really? Spectacular. <laughs> um, yeah, there was, uh, so the reason I brought up Magneto was there was one interview that had um, Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, and Ian McKellen all on the couch together. And they asked uh, McKellen, like, oh, are you upset that you weren't in the movie? And he, came, he gave a very vague answer, kind of like, dodging the question almost and so when you saw the claws go through his chest i thought that like magneto was controlling him or it was like him kind of living his biggest fear and then i was a little let down when it Mm -hmm. wasn't but yeah i mean it was it was sad and i kind of wished that he got to say that to actual wolverine right Mm -hmm. but yeah it was but just one moment of peace, like after have being crazy and kept in this crazy bunker in Mexico for so long, just to have him that 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 one like, oh, I'm in my head, I understand, and I feel this, but I, there was a the little bit of happiness there. That part I like the whole yeah. clone of Wolverine thing. We, could, oh, I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about right. Yeah, I think that for me that kind of undercut that moment a little bit because like mm-hmm. you know I, that was a really powerful moment with Charles kind of like getting his last little moment, saying goodbye and giving us a little bit of information about what uh, happened back at, at Westchester, and it was really sweet and then shocking and then like wait the fuck it's a clone, mm-hmm. and that that was the most ridiculous element and so I was glad that throughout the rest of the movie that was actually played down. Yeah. I, I thought it was going to be like the whole rest of the movie was going to be the clone chasing like him. Soldiers, like a whole, st- I was I was afraid that what was coming was a whole like super soldier army of Logans. <laughs> yeah. That would Do you be know what great. I mean? Actually, yeah, hang Logan on. Army. Oh, just like... A world full of Hugh Jackmans. <laughs> Crying. Chris, Chris. Jackman, oh yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah. Um, not bad. Not yeah. bad. Not bad. Yeah. Well, we always joke that it's the, it's the Vin Diesel story. Where like no one can beat Vin Diesel except except Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Yeah. yeah, no one could kill Wolverine except Wolverine. Right, That's so true. But if you look at the like the Xavier thing, it's his choice that he makes everybody stay in that house. Wolverine wants to keep going. Yeah. Like, no, we're in a home. We're gonna stay here for the night, and then everything goes down. So it's not only he that gets killed, but then that whole family they're staying with they end up uh, getting killed as well, just because yeah. Xavier yeah. was selfish, mm-hmm. <laughs> or just or just tired. That piece road of weary. <laughs> He's like hundred, so he wanted to take a nap old. and got everyone killed. What an asshole! Yeah. It's just a tired old man. <laughs> well, oh, Chris, I mean, you did bring it up the uh, the uh, clone Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Like so many times in superhero films, it ends up they fight their opposite number or just like a duplicate of themselves. It, did what's the consensus of the room? Did people like the idea that he fought a, a, a X twenty four? No, I didn't like, like, if you were going to do a, a copy Wolverine, just do mechanical Wolverine, since oh, the Reavers are, are the enemy of this film, and they're all oh, yeah. mechanically enhanced. So if you had a mechanical Wolverine thing, I could see that. But I felt like if you were going to have Sabretooth anywhere in the movie, that would have been a cool place to bring him in. Yeah. Almost like uh, Albert from the comics. Yes, exactly, exactly. Who was designed by Pierce in the comics. 
I didn't I didn't mind it so much, but there were some things that bothered me that I was like, did another scene go here that got cut for time? Because they had that whole thing where they're like, well, he only listens to the doctor. And the doctor's like, hey, come here, boy, come here. And then he just <laughs> kept ignoring him and ignoring him and ignoring him. So and, and then I, so I thought I was like, oh, he's Clone Wolverine's going to kill the doctor. Mm-hmm. He's going to be oh, like, yeah, right, motherfucker, yeah. I'm not listening to you anymore. And that didn't happen. So I thought it was kind of a I thought it was a little weird. Like I felt like. um Information was given that wasn't that wasn't paid off later, so I thought that was a little strange. Yeah, I I didn't love it either. Because what I really liked up to that point was that because they had depowered Logan to the point where other people were a real threat to him, that just kind of made it more interesting. But I was a little worried going in that the antagonism was going to be kind of soft in the third act, and I didn't I thought that their solution was kind of clunky. It was just like, oh, we'll just get a younger, better version, more powerful version like that. Well. I didn't think it was as uh, clever as the rest of the movie had been in terms right. of doing something different. I don't know. I feel like it's this whole movie is deconstructing what Wolverine's left the world, and that's his know. rage right. and everything he's like his animal instinct, which is embodied with the clone, and then there's the goodness and humanity that he's found in himself, and that's in Laura. So that was how I was reading it. I see everything like it is like, especially what Frank was saying, like the the third act. Iron Man fights the Ironmonger, Captain America fights Red Skull, Thor fights... Like, all of them are opposite number fights. But with this one, I don't know, it felt like it was so tightly involved in Wolverine and deconstructing this character that it didn't mind that it was a clone because then it just keep maintains that circle. It makes it even tighter. Like, it is sort of ridiculous that it's a clone of Wolverine, but at the same time, then it keeps the focus on Wolverine and not, like, Sabretooth or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I thought... They could have used Dakin, his son, and I thought the battle could have been with who who's Wolverine's rightful heir, like mm-hmm. who takes after him, his biological son who's mad and crazy, or this clone who has his heart. You know, I thought that could have been a cool aspect if you wanted to tackle it that way, like a, a better reveal of someone to take him down, who's who, like who if you want to keep that circle closed, you know. Yeah, for sure. that actually would have been a really cool idea. Yeah. What did you guys think overall of uh, of Laura? Just the way they did the fucking character? amazing. I love her yeah. probably, so much. Other than the Wolverine uh, Professor X relationship, she was probably the best part of this entire movie. She was she oh, yeah. killed it. She was so good. She literally killed it. She yeah. killed it eighty seven times over yeah. the course of this film. Well, it, it took what an hour and a half where she even says her first word, mm-hmm. and she does such like she's just silent. She's so good. Yeah. In yeah. Those moments. But you knew what she was thinking and feeling the yeah. entire movie without her having to speak. She, the the actress who played her. Killed it, man. And just oh, smart yeah. choices being made, I think, with the with the, the the character. Like, not even just her acting choices, but the way that they wrote her. The choice to make her female, first of all, I think is cool. It could have just easily been, like, a little boy. Um, and to make her, you know, a, a, a Mexican native. Like, yes. I think yeah. that's Thank you. Like, I fucking baller. stood up and cheered when you she know? started speaking Spanish. It was that, awesome. Yeah, that was a, it was really... Such a cool I, reveal. I wanted, yeah. to, I wanted to bring this up, because it's my one, like, little nitpicky thing. If they're all cloned and raised in Mexico, why is she the only one with an accent? Well, I don't know. I think most of them look Mexican. Um, but I, and, and Richter kind of had like an accent where he knew both. But I think she's just like young and feral, and she didn't speak much. And that she did speak, she got in Spanish. But just the fact that I got uh, a bunch of Mexican kids running around with superpowers was the coolest thing I've ever seen in any superhero movie. It was really cool. And like weirdly... I don't know why it also felt so timely, mm-hmm. but it did to oh, me. Yeah. It felt very timely in a way that I like. I mean, uh, there's some obvious ways, but I'm like, man, it's it also in ways that I couldn't fit my finger on because they're trying to get north. They're trying to go to the border to be safe, 
you know, and I was like, hmm, touche, without beating anything over the head. Yeah, you and you even I mean? had the guy standing up in the limo in the beginning oh, of Logan's God, Journal. Those, USA, those, exactly, USA. those yeah. douchebags in the limo. Ugh, like, that looks uh, about right. Yeah. yeah. And Welcome it, to Tijuana. Yeah, right. Well, and, you know, it, it is really timely, too, because think about it. You know, this would have been written a year and a half, two years ago, mm-hmm. I would imagine, by the time they, you know, actually wrote it till now. And, yeah, that it there is a lot of, like, really topical themes going through there. But, again, yeah, it's like... This is why I love movies like this because you can have those things in there and you can have those ideas present and they're not like right in your face, but you can connect with them like, oh, like it has a positive thing to say about like people or it has like a, 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 it's putting a good idea onto the world that doesn't have to be like a, uh, I don't know, like a topic movie. I don't know what Mm -hmm. I'm looking for, but yeah. No, it didn't throw you, throw it in your face like, oh, these kids are a different race than all Mm -hmm. the other mutants you've ever seen. It was like, these are kids and they're abused. And uh, Gabriella, the lady who was raising her, even said, like, hey, they think that we're poor and stupid. We're poor, but we're not stupid. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, too, um, I don't know. I just, yeah, I really liked her a lot. And I, lo- I was like, I don't remember the last time I saw a film with a little kid like that, with a little girl who didn't have a moment where she was, like, adorable and precious. And, like, this girl was not adorable nor precious. Mm-hmm. She no. was fantastic. And she, you know, her, her acting chops were amazing, mm-hmm. but she was strong and vulnerable in a really adult way, but she was never fucking precious. But I, and I, I love that. I don't, I love that scene where she's just riding on, like when they, um, oh my, yeah. When her, when Xavier and Wolverine are, are watching the, the video and then they look up and she's just riding the horse. Mm-hmm. Oh There's yeah. Just something about like her stare and it's just like. It sh- it shows that she's been robbed of an, of her innocence, mm-hmm. like fully and completely, to the point of not even like even knowing how to handle this like kids ride. Right. She's just like sitting like, mm-hmm. and it's like almost like when you see her start it up again and get to see like her like face uh, the straight little flicker. on. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a little bit of flicker, but then she's just like in the motion mm-hmm. of it. And but yeah, it's just so crazy to see those little flickers and moments too. Could you imagine if? Frank, if your daughter had adamantium claws and was an angel, I'd finally like her. <laughs> <laughs> She's finally earned my love. <laughs> now, after for 17 years, who was excited? Because I know you screamed and jumped up there. Uh, but did you scream and jump up when uh, Richter was introduced? Finally, after 17 years, we get Richter in the film. Yeah, and because I was just expecting side characters, characters that were just invented for the movie, but to have an actual new mutant in there. And be that, like, that's him. In that universe, that's Richter. And, yeah, that, that whole thing kind of meant a lot to me specifically, you know? I, I want to talk more about, if we can, uh, about, so, Stephen Merchant's character. Mm-hmm. So, you guys all know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Okay. What's, what's his deal? Because it's kind of the same thing, right? They alluded without, uh, I thought they, because the movie was already long. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel yeah. like it was too long, but it was a long movie. So, if they had added all this exposition in there, it would have been awful. But um, I, I would like to know more about him. He, uh, in the comics, he's a Morlock, right? Yeah. He can yeah. track mutants. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. He's a Morlock, so he lives under the sewers, and he could basically tell where mutants are. But, he, I mean, he comes like a, a henchman of Apocalypse. He has his own arc, but that's essentially it. And he, he, and he was also portrayed as a different guy in uh, Apocalypse. Yeah. He also wanted to get married to Kitty Pride really bad. Who did? Mm-hmm. Caliban. Caliban. Oh. There's on the comics, though. Yeah. So... Okay, so that's really it. Like, there's no, like... No. Why do you think they picked him? I um, guess just because of the skin Because he could track mutants. Yeah, I guess that must be. They been. needed someone, a way to find these guys after hunting them down. Yeah. You are right, though. It is an interesting choice, because, I, I mean, 
the X-Men specifically, just the number of mutants that are out there. Like, I mean, every movie has either had far too many or sometimes not enough, but they're always just kind of packing in random people. But yeah, he'd been used before in Apocalypse, so yeah, it is... I guess they I guess they had to find somebody who in this storyline if they're going with the way that Professor X killed everyone with a seizure uh they had to find a mutant who was not there for that mm-hmm. but still had the ability to be useful to yeah. this plot do you well, think that maybe like narrowed then, it down Actually I guess like thematically too I guess he also fits right because um Professor X is carrying the guilt of killing the X-Men Wolverine's carrying guilt from just the vast number of people who's killed all the time all horrible decisions and then Caliban too I mean he was working with the company to track down mutants so he's carrying a guilt so I guess there's something to be said about the fact that like the last remaining adult mutants all in some way have kind of betrayed their own people Mm. so I guess maybe that's part of the reason yeah that's interesting Right. Yeah, I think it really is sort of nailed down into the fact that he has this history with the Reavers as well. Like, I think that's really the strong point of it. And, like, it just sort of works that he has this mutant power to um, attra- to to hunt down and track mutants. But really, it's just the fact that we see, like, a, um, the cost of what the Reavers have done and seeing, mm-hmm. like, um, what they're able to do, not only to mutants, but also, like, seeing what they've done in the past as well. They're big threats. Who's the douchebag with the fake with the mechanical hand? Is he in the is he in the comic books? I don't know much about Donald Pierce of the Reavers. And he's a member of the uh, Hellfire Club. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. But he like his whole thing was he hates mutants. Uh, but yeah, he joined the club in order to infiltrate mutants. And I think pretty sure he does have a mechanical hand as well. But that's why does he why does he hate? Isn't he kind? Of, well, I guess he's not a mutant because he's just got a mechanical hand. Yeah, but I don't know what. Just like people who eat, hate something that's different than what they are. Well, isn't weren't the no. Reavers? I know you're filled with a lot of hate, Amanda. <laughs> yeah. I hate everyone that's different. Everybody that's different than me. Weren't the Reavers kind of created because people wanted to kind of know what it's kind of like to be a mutant? Because I, I looked through a, a couple of the comics and they have some like very strange enhancements. Like one guy has a cannon arm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only one that I remember. There's a guy really with cool. like tank legs. Yeah, yeah, around. the tank tread. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What, wasn't that a version of Donald Pierce that had the? I hope so. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm really pretty sure at one so. point. Yeah. yeah. But uh, to, to beat these mutants that already are born with these spectacular abilities, then you need to. How can you uh, enhance your body? Right. Yeah. I mean, the the Reavers' origins in the comics is kind of whatever, but their main purpose really came when um, they started working for Lady Deathstrike, who's a Wolverine-specific villain. Right, and they just started working for her, just mostly to fuck with him. Her name is Lady Deathstrike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, name is awesome. Right. Yuriko. Yeah, very tragic Wolverine yeah. story. I'm trying to remember the comics. The the comic book version of Lady Deathstrike. Is she also mutants, or is she just mechanically enhanced? She's just mechanically enhanced too. She went under. She did the reverb process, and she oh, put okay. adamantium in her fingers. Okay, yeah, because the the one in X two is basically just has the same powers. As God damn, you see, that's what I'm saying. I can't really. Give all like my love to those movies because they did get a lot of things wrong to me, including Lady Deathstrike. No, I think that's totally fair. Mm-hmm. So, Jesus, oh, got really close on that mic, guys. Sorry about that. <laughs> the, uh, so, as we uh, wind up with the X Men, these Wolverine movies, do you like the idea that it's such a definitive end for Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, or would you rather it have been just another story, uh, and then we would almost like James Bond it, and then the next time it's just some other actor taking the role of Wolverine? Oh, I completely respect that this this went out like the way it did, especially if this is also Patrick Stewart's last time playing Professor X. I mean, the, again, these characters had the greatest chemistry of all the X-Men in all the movies. So 17 years is crazy long, so bam. One final story, we both die, and then there's still hope for the new mutants. Let's end it that way. And I thought that was cool. 
if if they if they both decide not to do it anymore. Yeah, I think uh, I think that that it felt organic to me. And I think, and Hugh Jackman was like, "No mas, <laughs> I'm not doing this again." So I feel like it that it that it felt natural for the characters. There's nothing that drives me more crazy than something like that. That's like, well, and I guess I'm different. Like my my dad, it doesn't. He wants a happy like the the movie to end in a happy place, like for there to be hope and the good guy gets the girl and the bad guy is vanquished. And for me, it's like, yeah, but if that feels false. For the sake of being positive, it drives me bananas. So I, I don't know. I thought this was a, a satisfying ending. It was sad, mm-hmm. but the fact that a superhero movie, at the end of the day, that's what it is, you know, in Western style, resonated. And when he's like, that's what this feels like. And I was like, oh, my God, am I tearing up? What is happening? Okay, so how many of us cried? Like, not cry, cry, but I got I a little... I fucking wept. Did you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got a little... I mean, for, for me, that that says a lot to the to all the artistic choices made. The writing, the, you know, every the direction. I think everything that it was able to... Uh, that this genre film, if you were just to, like, lay out the mechanics of it, like the ridiculous parts of it, you know, on paper, that it was able to elicit that kind of emotional response and make you feel invested I think speaks volumes to it. Well, I, I loved... Did anybody else think when he said, so this is what it feels like? I feel like the two choices are family and love and what Xavier was talking about, or this is what death finally feels like after oh. this. I think, like, I this thought is it was what death. I sent other people on. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's interesting. That's, I didn't think about that until I heard it like the second time when me and Chris saw it um, before this. That was just like, oh, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about like... Oh, so this is what it feels like. I kind of thought he meant, like, this is what it feels like to be a father. Because right after that, she starts calling him daddy. Mm-hmm. So I, I yeah. thought, like, maybe that's where he was going. But, I mean, anything that you could pull from, those are all, like, three good answers that I would accept. Mm-hmm. Where does this rank up in great char- iconic character death scenes? Like, compare this to uh, Captain Kirk in Star Trek Generations. Well, it's well above that. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, even yeah. Xavier gets a better death than his first death. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is oh, a better that's, death that's than That's absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> So, I I mean, it's also just cool, like, I like the thought of James Bonding it, but it's also like, that's what we've gotten with Spider-Man. We've gotten Spider-Man's just James Bonding it with our third one happening to finally get a definitive end for a comic book. Because even, even like, Old Man Logan ends on an open page. Like, Mm -hmm. he's going off into the sunset, he's got Bruce Banner Jr. on his back, he's going to go off and try and save the world. And even, like, Dark Knight Returns. He dies, but then the end page with him is uh, in the Batcave. Just, uh, all right, now we're going to start it again and do it right. And to see, like, definitive, he's dead. This story is done, and now it is officially Laura's story moving forward. I, I loved it. I, I, I had, I mean, I think it's a great death scene. Like, it's, acts the shit out of it. I, I didn't, it made the most sense, and I think it was the most emotionally resonant for him to die right there. I would have liked maybe a little bit of ambiguity. I kind of like those endings that, like, you feel like this particular story has come to an end, but there's more to go. And maybe mm-hmm. a part of my problem was that it felt very abrupt. Like, there's all this stuff happening, and then there's really no end to the movie. It's basically he just dies, right. and she goes off with her friends. And I, I want to keep following Laura, but I also don't really like the world they built in this movie specifically. So I I was always kind of hoping that whenever they got rid of Wolverine, Logan as Wolverine, that they would introduce Laura and X-23, and she would kind of take on that role 
in the broader X-Men mm-hmm. and bring that dynamic in. You can't do that now. I guess I'm, I want to see her story continue, but I don't really want to see the adventures of Laura in a world where there are no other mutants, mm-hmm. really. I, I, I don't know. I think they should have taken the, the ending of uh, X3 and just tacked it on the, the end of this where you see Magneto in the park. And you're like, oh, he just, he just, he just, he just wiggle, wiggles the chest piece. Keep that ambiguity. Turns out Magneto was alive this whole time. Right. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he just, is in the film. He is in this universe, but nobody talks to him. Nobody no. calls him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's still trying to get that whole chess piece to move. It's been a lot of years, but he'll get there eventually. Do we think this is the last Hugh t- time Hugh Jackman will ever be Wolverine? Or if Ryan Reynolds said, hey, why don't we just do a Deadpool Wolverine movie? Just two of us, we just have fun. That he'd come back in here and do that. I think he's done. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he will have a cameo in Deadpool 2, but I think it'll be as Hugh Jackman. And what I want is um, uh, Deadpool to, like, just learn that Wolverine died in the movies and just be so heartbroken. And he sees <laughs> Hugh Jackman. He's like, why would you do that to us? Uh, this, this ties in organically. How about that sweet Deadpool trailer? Oh, my God. Movie? Yes. Your thoughts? I was convinced for a second, like, <clears throat> all right, they're opening it up with the death of Deadpool, and that's like <laughs> the start of what the end of Mutants is—is is the death of Deadpool. Yeah. And for uh, uh, the whole, like, for a little bit, I'm just like, all right, this is kind of crazy, this is kind of wacky, but I'm in. I'm down. The way to they see did it was goes. really smart. Just like lights go down. I don't know your theater, but it's like the finally the previews yeah. are over. Remember to turn off your phones. And mm-hmm. then it was like Deadpool trailer, but it felt like it was the movie starting. Well, it was like a Pixar movie. It's really smart. You get a little yeah. Pixar short. Yeah. And then yeah. you get the full movie. Yeah. It was awesome. Definitely. I, I loved it. I mean, the uh, John Williams Superman score is for my favorite <laughs> score of all time, and they used it so brilliantly. Yeah. I yeah. loved it. And like all, there was so many Easter eggs in there alone. Like. Like Nathan Summers coming soon, and oh, like coming, coming. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't even, I didn't even notice that. I, wow. <laughs> but also, I, I, I had heard because I only watched it online afterwards. But that Stan, Stan Lee was cut out of the theatrical. Oh yeah, there's there's two different versions of yes. it. Both yeah. of them are really funny. They are, yeah. Um, Hope is written on the telephone booth as well. I saw that our second time. Um, as he's coming out after the the costume change, you yeah. can see Hope like exclamation point written it's, on the back. It's the uh, the Dragon Ball Z font. Remember when Hope is written on the side of Trunks's time machine? Oh yeah, it's Hope exclamation point oh, with the really? two lines. That's yeah, amazing. it's the exact same text. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Can you think of anybody right now that could take over the role of Wolverine, or is it going to go to some kind of unknown, and they're going to be able to take it on and see what they can do with it? I think. Depends you, on, oh, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say it depends on. Although technically, he should only be, at, he should only be like thirty-five, right? Like he should look like he's in his mid-thirties because that's when he became Wolverine. Uh, I, the way they do his aging is always a little bit ambiguous, because. But yeah, he's yeah. always looked like an adult. Like you never had like a Peter Parker sort of phase of him where he's just, no, he's, well, uh, yeah, no, we like, had we had little boy like James Howlett and in, uh, in Origins, but uh, yeah, I don't, I think an unknown. I also think they just don't need to do it again for a while. I think there's so many other mutants to explore. Mm-hmm. But did you guys notice that Gambit's face on the the comic book cover looked a little fat, a little Channing Tatum esque? Big huh. Channing Tatum. It was a big oh, Channing I didn't Tatum even head. Notice that? I was like eagle eyeing him, like that's motherfucking Channing Tatum's head. It's all round and shit. It's not skinny <laughs> yeah. and properly uh, Remy LeBeau. 
It's fucking, they're, they're still trying to get that damn they're, Gambit they're movie off the ground. Still trying. They're still trying to give him the accent. I think he's. I think the, the delay is just him. Like they just, <laughs> he can't quite yeah. nail it. He has. They just, like, the, you go in, and the whole movie is just him dancing, dressed like Gambit. That's yeah. like, he doesn't bang. say a word. I'm fine uh-huh. with that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm probably still gonna see it. But I, you know, I want to have to strip into Bayou. But if you think, like, given the success of this movie, and it's certainly going to do great in the box office, it's already done great this weekend. I don't know. I can't imagine them going more than like three or four years before we see some Wolverine in the film. I feel like that's just such a great character that you don't want to leave that hanging on the vine for too long. I will mm-hmm. see you in three to four years. This exact same booth. That's true. We'll be back. <laughs> well, they, they know, really you... have to nail their next couple movies without them. The 80s or what is it? Oh, 90s X Men yes, movie. They can do the Supernova, new movies. Yeah, coming then, down the pipe, yeah. which will basically think just be Dark Phoenix again. Mm-hmm. Which Whoa. I mean, you got to start with Good yeah. Phoenix first, though, right? Before yeah. you go dark, well, you I mean, have they, to start with regular Phoenix. Kinda did that in Apocalypse. Yeah, you saw you saw Phoenix briefly. Yeah, yeah, but we also saw the same thing in X2. Like, yeah, we they, saw her briefly, and then we saw what happened in X3. So. Yeah, but they did such a great job setting her up in X2. Oh yeah, yeah, that was real cool. Damn it, singer. I hear so are there are there plans to do because I just occurred to me how awesome would it well I think it'd be really fun if they did a very uh like like an eighties full on eighties X Men film. Like old costumes from like the almost like from the animated series, like and really kitched it a little bit. Is that what they're doing? Uh well, I think no, that the eighties film was awesome, apocalypse. Though, right? yeah. That was there yeah. if they had a chance to do it, it and at the end of the film, they all kind of appear in costumes, but yeah. it's fucking ten seconds worth of costumes. It, Wouldn't it be great if they did that, though? Wouldn't yeah, it? Oh, I that's, what I, that's what I want to see. Yeah, like they haven't, they have never really been superheroes, right? And like, just do that. And they came so close, but I think they were they're so bound to Singer's aesthetic, which worked at the time, but we're now at the point where you can do full comic book costumes, look at everything else Marvel has done, mm-hmm. and they're like, I think they were just too late getting to that. I wish they would do a period piece. Like it set in that time yeah. with those costumes and make it bright and make it all those things with a really fucking awesome soundtrack and have it be like all the fun of Deadpool with the uh, accuracy of like Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know now they'll, I mean? they'll probably do it for the 90s. Let's be honest, like the 80s would have been way more fun than the 90s. It's just yeah. going to be, it's it's gonna gonna be, be a whole bunch of like grunge and pop and it's going to be just yeah, had the arcades and all that stuff and bright colors anyways <laughs> with the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was a missed opportunity. Nah. We got that Star Wars joke though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, uh, that was an apocalypse. The third so one's was... always the third one's always the best. <laughs> yeah, there was the a, a weird. <laughs> well, this is the joke. first time that an X Men trilogy has stuck the landing. Then because X three sucked, absolutely apocalypse true. was the less. I mean, you could say it either sucked, but it's definitely the lesser of the three oh, of those. Abs- absolutely. Um, but Logan was the first time that it, like yeah. this is the series that progresses one, two, three. Oh, it absolutely does. Um, well, I mean, yeah. after one, you can. Only we go up. <laughs> God, that's so true. Burn. I, I love too that you, you watched like the last stand. You're like, man, they can only go up from here, and then they still found a way. <laughs> yeah. So there's always been uh, just really quick one last question. There's always been those rumors of uh, of an X Men, a live action X Men TV show, and with the rise of Marvel Netflix, I think this is kind of the time. It's. I think this is like the best time to do it. Do you think that you'll that we'll see them kind of emerge on either TV or on a distributing platform 
be it Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. Oh, they're going to try. I just, I don't know. I mean, if you guys have watched Legion on uh, FX, that show is amazing. It's great, yeah. It's, it's fucking, it's almost perfect. But they're they're doing another one for Fox, right? And they just yeah. signed a uh, dude who played Bill Compton in True Blood as the lead. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, Stephen Moyer is the lead. Yeah. And, um, and it, I don't know what that one's going to be about. Oh, uh, Amy Acker? Was yep, from, she's in there. Yeah, yeah she's Angel there. and yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. it's Matt Nix who did uh, Burn Notice. Mm-hmm. It's his show. But I think that's more of a. That's not the X Men though. It's like it's uh, looking at what happens to a family when some of your kids are mutants and all the persecution stuff. Oh, so okay. It's, I think it's, okay. It's, so it's like so, Alex Mack. Yes, kind of. <laughs> it's. Do you remember Alex Mack? <laughs> I, lo- I remember that show. It was great. I I think it's it's they're doing what ev- almost every single X movie has done though, which has been like. Not being an X Men movie, being mm-hmm. like something kind of different. So I think there'll be good shows, but it's not. I don't. To your point, I don't know if we're going to get like the X Men as a team mm-hmm. on okay. TV. It would be nice though, and we could all hope for something like that. Yeah, I just want yeah. like a Justice League Unlimited style where oh, every episode yeah. is a different like grouping of three or four mutants, and then. They and go I think on they adventures. need to do a new cartoon as well. Absolutely, there hasn't been an X Men cartoon since what Logan and the X Men or Wolverine and the X Men. I never yeah. watched was that, that last was it any one. Good? There were, you know what, it the animation was okay, but some of the stories were really good. Okay, it's worth mm-hmm. checking out. And I feel like the struggle with that is just like CW, where they can't use a lot of the big tier characters in yeah, the TV true. show. Mm-hmm. I feel like you'd have that, so you'd end up with just like these beings, maybe like C and D list mutants, and you can never really get the ones that you really want to see. I guess that's true. They yeah. should just make that a thing. Like there's Supermansion. You guys watch Supermansion? Uh, Stupid Buddy Production, Arizona Crackle. Uh, Do you know anybody that works there? We'd love to get an in. Uh, what? I don't know. What is this? Is, uh, uh, the view, my views do not necessarily represent Stupid Buddy Productions or their affiliates. Uh, but yeah, I think that if, but if they're going to do that, I, I wish they would just have fun with it and then make it awesome. They like these are our BNC listers. These are the guys we have now. Let's run with that and make it fantastic. Well, also you know? keep in mind, Marvel built the Marvel Cinematic Universe out of its B squad, right? Too. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. We're talking about Marvel's A characters right now, and this is something that Marvel Studios can't have access to. So they were able to build a build a, um, a a cinematic universe off Iron Man, who, if you we all remember, in 2008, Iron Man was not doing too hot. Um, Rocket was, Raccoon. Yeah, rock, like, yeah right, like all of rock, the Guardians guys, of the like, Galaxy. Within, like, if we're talking when that universe started, like the Guardians were just starting to pick up in terms of their popularity. They were still like a very obscure, like they were still like set in a thousand years in the future mm-hmm. um, when the cinematic universe was just starting. And so Marvel has shown that it's p- cap- uh, possible to build off C and D list characters um, as long as you are just just stay true to the characters or or have a distinct point of view like we have with Guardians. Like Guardians, those guys are the C-list of Marvel. Mm-hmm. They've been raised and obviously elevated um, over time, but they are the C-list, but they had... And James they embrace had, it. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. And James Gunn has a distinct point of view, and that's what you need. You need someone like... Uh, the reason Legion works is because of Nor- Gnome... Oh, yeah, because, uh, because you have distinct people with points of view and that's Joss Whedon was able to make the Avengers work and like you need these people with distinct points of view to make this stuff work and it doesn't really matter who the characters are you'll be able to work something with it yeah and I, I think that looks like at least Fox's strategy going forward is to kind of embrace their B-level characters like we're getting Deadpool that's going to lead into X-Force with Cable they're doing the new mutants I, f- I forget who's directing that the guy who directed I think it was Fault in Our Stars <laughs> let me look this up <laughs> But, but if we can see Cannonball on screen, that'll be that'll be enough be, for me. I'd love that. <laughs> and you got Arya Stark playing Wolvesbane. I mean, that that movie looks pretty cool. And I think if you were gonna do 
like a better X Men movie, you could restart it with them. Yeah, and I, I the rumor is the McAvoy's coming back to be like properly Professor X now, no hair in the wheelchair, leading the team. I'm excited for that. I think that could be a lot of fun. Maybe that'll be kind of like their kind of 80s, 90s kind of maybe more fun aesthetic. So maybe. Just to hear the line, I'm like, I'm nigh invulnerable when I'm blasting would be great. To just hear somebody <laughs> say in a live action yeah, right? film. <laughs> what did you guys think about the Berserker finally? Because I, I feel like this movie really caught it both with Wolverine and Laura. And that's always been a big part of the Wolverine character was that he would just kind of lose himself to his rage. Um, and I, I mean, I seen it in a few of the other movies, but in the fight scenes, and, and they're not very long, which I kind of like because they're like Western gunfights, bam, 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 and then it's over. Right, yeah. And I think the R, I, I'm trying to imagine this movie without the R rating, and it's almost I don't know funny. what the fuck that would look like. Yeah, exactly. It'll look like <laughs> all the other times Wolverine has killed people in these movies. You Where just, just kind of see him put his hand. hands in, and you could just kind of picture what that would do to somebody. This movie actually shows you what those claws do to people's bodies. To flesh and bone, and I thought that was fucking sweet. Yeah, no, I mean his final like rage run, like because mm-hmm. again I was kind of like waffling all the way through but that last moment, like oh this is fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. I do like that because it's also like he's filled with rage, but his body's not capable of it until he ends up injecting himself. Then he finally can do it. So I feel like that that was a cool moment where it's like his, he wants to, but his body's not letting him do it. Hello. Mm-hmm. On that note, the consistency of I, I see it drives me. One of my pet peeves is when I see films and the the whoever it is falls and takes like a nasty fall. And then they're like, oh, okay, well, I'm fine now. And it never it never comes back. Mm-hmm. He did a great job of maintaining a, the limp was was consistent. Like all of his, you know, he, he, the way in which he moved and delivered his lines. And he just looked so weary mm-hmm. for most of the movie. And then when he got he like pumped up on that serum, he's like, look what I can, I'm like, like you know so it but it it played that it popped that up that much more because even though he was fighting and there were some pretty fantastic action sequences in this movie Mm -hmm. um he still moved like somebody who was weary you know and just like really pushing through it and looking like somebody who like when he goes to sleep he's like asleep in that cot for two days yeah while the kids are camping basically i'm like yeah that's he's probably just like oh all i want is just like a recliner and like you know golf network yeah. like it looks like this is all that he wants he just wants a beer yeah, he just man. wants to sit someplace and drink a beer he just wants a bar and I think we've all seen that uh, the, the video that he put from his ADR session where he's oh it's amazing that's so cool to see if you check it out on Instagram it's, he's doing the ADR for that scene as he's running through the forest oh, and cool. so, so it starts just so you see where, what part of the film it is but then it pans over just to Hugh Jackman doing the ADR work and just seeing him just in street clothes doing his thing but just really kind of get, uh, channeling that Wolverine rage that's cool. ADR, that's automated dialogue replacement, Frank? Why that is. Uh, things that you can learn about if you take the world-famous studio tour at Universal Studios Hollywood, the entertainment <laughs> capital of L.A. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, we're getting to that point where that's a wrap. Oh, my oh, gosh. My, oh, you, on that. you can't take wow. the tour guide out of the tour guide. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. You might um, be able to hear this faint round of applause uh, coming from the class uh, next door. Thank you. That was, that was, that was for you. That was for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That round of applause. Thanks, thanks a lot. <sighs> um, well, next we got Guardians Volume oh, 2. Yes. yes. Oh. Um, yeah, April 28th is God, kicking off the summer, so se- God, summer that is, season. That is crazy oh soon. Oh my gosh, I, I can't even wait. I'm so excited. When new, tra- to... new trailer dropped. We all see that? Yes. Yeah. I've watched it obsessively. <laughs> I so... love that Fleetwood Mac song now. Oh, yeah. I know, right? I, I've listened uh, to it wonderful. so many times. 
Now, we're tr- I, not I, treating Fast 8 as a superhero movie? Just checking. Uh, oh. It's not Fast 8. It's God. the Fate of the Furious. So get it right, Frank. I like Fate of the 8 is what I usually call yeah. it. You can get both of them. Yeah. Cameron's dragging me to go see that. I'm so I, I am not yes. enthusiastic And if, if we're that, not going to, I mean, if we're going to count Fate of the 8, we have to count Power Rangers. Oh, yes. Because All right. that yeah. is the movie that I don't think I've been excited for a bad movie in such a long time. <laughs> yeah. And Chinese theater is actually doing, they're playing the original Mighty Morphin on the big screen. Oh, uh, Wait, what they cool. are? Yeah. I was going to talk to you about this after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we have to go. We got to wrap it up. We got to right, wrap, wrap it up. Okay. All right. Um, all right, so closing it out um, for the podcast of Two Worlds, I'm Trevor Reese. I'm Chris Fimbres. Uh, from the Novice and Frank, I'm Frank. I'm Amanda. Oh, and from Tim Talk, I'm Chris. I'm Cameron Dexter. Please listen to all of our podcasts on, yeah. the, on the Nerdist School Network. Yeah, make sure to check out the Nerdist School Network for all your podcasting needs. <laughs> and go see Logan. Yeah, yeah, do that too. Oh, hopefully you've already seen it. Yeah. Oh, we just ruined everything oh, yeah. for you. I think we'll end this podcast with the best word. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit nerdistschool.com.